Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Good afternoon, everyone. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. We have a very, very interesting show today. You know, people that watch the show, we know that we always talk about taking care of your customers. It's the single most important thing you can do in any business. And of course, when I ran across my guest today, I was just amazed at the passion that he has in taking care of his clients. He is a world-renowned plastic surgeon. His name is Dr. John Mesa. He's a Harvard-trained, triple-fellowship-trained plastic surgeon. He's well-known in the industry for his extraordinary surgical techniques and stunning results. He's board certified. We are so happy to have John or Dr. Mesa on the phone and on the show today. Dr. Mesa, welcome to the Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Thank you, Andy. That was a very kind introduction of myself, and it is an honor, an honor and a privilege to be in your interview. Thank you so much, Dr. Mesa. Well, you know, it's so exciting to have you on the show you're really passionate about your clients, and we want to get into that because you've built such a wonderful practice. But before we get started, you have a very interesting story, and what I'd like to do is pull the lens back to 30,000 feet just a little bit and tell us about your background and experience because I found it very fascinating. Okay, so I am, as you may guess from my accent, I am not from America. I am born in Colombia, South America. I did my med school there, and then I uh, got a scholarship to come to train in, to finish med school here in the United States. And then when I was here, I ended up uh, doing my uh, surgical training. I did uh, general surgery first, then plastic surgery, then craniofacial, then aesthetics. And now I'm open, I, have, I started to work initially in New Jersey, then expanded to New York, and now I have an, an, a third office in Miami. I love it. I love it so much, Dr. Mesa. You've done so well. And, you know, you have an incredible philosophy. Anyone that Googles you or checks you out, you know that you're really known for treating your patients with warmth and respect. You do amazing work. Uh, this philosophy stems from perhaps this Latin culture. So maybe you could talk about that a little bit. How are you bringing warmth to your practice with the help of what you've learned in the Latin culture? Okay, so from the Latin culture, especially from my country, we love, we love to treat everybody like a nice, and we follow what is called the golden rule. You need, you, 
you treat the people as you want to be treated. So that's the way that I treat my patients. And as a doctor, as a physician, I love for me, the medicine, the knowledge is really interesting, but there is nothing better than when a patient thanks you for the work that you have done. And that's that the best reward. So in order to get that thank you for any patient, you need to do your best. And I tell my patients, look at it. Yeah, you can be from the cleaning lady to the one of the top CEOs in the Fortune 500 companies in New York. I treat everybody the same because everybody is the same. They deserve the same. And I tell them, look, I treat you like if you are a family member. So if you are my mother, my sister, my brother, you only get the best. And I also give the best to all my patients. That makes all the sense in the world. And it's so beautiful and very refreshing and this honesty that you bring to the practice is really what separates you from so many other plastic surgeons in the field right now. One thing that you do when I read up on you that I found very interesting, and again, this is a way to provide this superior you know, offering to your clients is that oftentimes other plastic surgeons may use a general anesthesia, but in certain procedures, you're able to provide some of the procedures with a local anesthesia. So where did that idea come from? That's very interesting. So that came from my last fellowship. I, was, I did a fellowship in facelift and necklifts. And at that time, my mentor was doing the facelift on the local anesthesia but the patients were in kind of excruciating pain. So I told my, men my mentor then, I said, look, I don't think that's right for the patient because if it's local anesthesia, it should be painless, no painful. And then he told me like, oh, John, so I know a doctor in Canada that does a lot of hand surgery on the local anesthesia and no pain. But then you go visit him and learn uh, one or two things and see if you can incorporate it. So I did that. I visited him, I did his courses, and then I created my own pathway. And right now I do anything from the clavicles up, facelift, neck lifts, eyelid surgery, everything on the face, on the pure local anesthesia, completely awake with no pain. And the reason why I like that is one, you avoid all the, uh, the patients avoid all the risks associated with general anesthesia. And secondly, I get to interact with the patient. For me, it's really fun to be operating in somebody's face and the patient is talking to me and we talk about what they do, their hobbies, their pets, and it's much better than looking at the monitor and say, oh, is the patient alive? No, if they talk, they are doing fine. I love it. And of course, your patients probably love that as well. And it probably gives you an opportunity even to have a better outcome. So Dr. Mesa, you developed this what I'm going to call the Mesa pathway, which I really love. And one thing that you had mentioned is that you had a mentor. And, you know, we talk about mentorship all the time on the show. Uh, whatever business someone is in, whether they're a business entrepreneur or a healthcare entrepreneur, or a plastic surgeon, a world-renowned plastic surgeon, all of us like to surround ourselves with mentors. So how important has mentorship been to your development as a plastic surgeon? Oh, it has been tremendously important in my success, especially with my last mentor, Dr. Vasconez, because he is a mentor, not from the books, he's mentor from experience. And he told me many things. I said, John, look at, don't do this or do this. And he told me, I know this because I did the mistakes. I tried them. And that's where I learned. And sometimes I have been, you know, I like to be edgy and trying to switch stuff uh, away from what he 
and told me not to do and I did it. And I was like, oh, yeah, Dr. Vasconer was right. I shouldn't do that. So it's very, very important because it helps you. It gives you like an extra, it gives you like multiple steps ahead on the pathway of the career that you want to achieve without having to commit too many mistakes in the, on the way. I love it. And that makes all the sense in the world, not only for a physician, but any type of entrepreneur to surround yourself with talented people, uh, learn from them, uh, look at them as a teacher and as someone that will really provide you a pathway so that you don't have to make the same types of mistakes that they've made along their journey. And that's really, really amazing, uh, Dr. Mesa. You know, one thing when I researched you that I found very interesting was this procedure that you do called, I believe you pronounce it the buckle fat removal procedure. And it's very interesting. And, and I didn't even really know about it because I, you know, I see all the celebrities and I, and I see all the news reports and they all have those lean sort of chiseled faces. And I was wondering to myself, is that all natural? How did they get there? There's a lot of other people that sort of look with that chisel look. And then here we go. You know, there's this buckle or, or, or buckle fat removal procedure that you become a world-renowned, you know, leader in. Let's talk about that because I think that's just so fascinating, Dr. Mesa. Yeah, so that it comes along with the reason why I became interested in plastic surgery. I, I am fascinated about the face, aesthetic and beauty of the face. And through my training, I realized people on TV or in the movies look so chiseled, totally different to the same people. So I started to, even even though I was taught how to do that technique in kids for cleft lips and palate, I never did it at the beginning in my training for adults. So I started to do some research. There was not too much information. And then I find out that that was the reason why people look so chiseled. And I call it like the best kept secret in Hollywood because you see, it's a, it's a striking. So I started to learn about the technique. There is not too many things written about that. So I started to practice different techniques that I read, videos and all this stuff. And uh, after doing so many, I came up with my technique and it's life uh, changing for the patients. For example, today I saw a patient that I did the surgery two weeks ago. No, sorry, three years ago. She never came. I did a surgery. She was to come, supposed to follow up with me. She never came. She came for doing some other stuff in her face. Uh, my staff, uh, I had a new staff, and they didn't realize that she was a new patient, that an existing patient, so she put it as a new patient. I didn't recognize her because she looked like a celebrity. And I said, no, Dr. Mesa, I did my vocal with you about three years ago. Like, uh, I don't remember you very well, and I'm really good with faces. So I went back, I asked my staff, look, you need to find out the chart. When I saw her picture, it was striking. It was like a from like like a lay person to a Hollywood-like woman. That's why I couldn't recognize her because she looks so beautiful, so different to the way that she was. That, and that's what I love this procedure. I love it so much. It makes all the sense in the world. You know, obviously, you have a wonderful practice on Park Avenue in New York. You're you're in Livingston, New Jersey, and of course in Miami. Just a little bit about the background again, because you received your M MD degree in Columbia. Uh, you came to the U.S. to undergo your surgical training. You went to multiple institutions. Of course, Harvard uh, stands out in my mind, but of course, the University of Michigan as well stands out in my mind. Go blue, of course. Uh, yeah. No offense to the Ohio, Ohio State fans that watch the show. And of course, you uh, did 
your, your neck and face work at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, as well as the University of Michigan. So when you go to all of these high, higher institutions, Dr. Mesa, and you meet so many interesting and fantastic fellow surgeons, is there one thing that stands out amongst the surgeons that you trained with and you worked with? Is it their compassion for their clients? Is it the way in which they love to learn every single day to become better? What are the things that make up a great surgeon in your mind? I mean, the most important is to have ethics, that especially in plastic surgery, you should treat the patient in the way that you can offer the treatments that they need, but not because they want to make money. You want to make money out of that. So the best surgeons are the ones that do their best and say no to any patient that is willing to offer some payment for a procedure he or she doesn't need. Is also somebody that is interested in the care and take and being compassionate about the patients. It's very important to be present when something goes wrong, because I tell patients there is no surgeon in the world that doesn't have complications or doesn't have a, any mistake or doesn't commit any mistakes. And that comes from my mentor, Dr. Vascon. He told me when a surgeon says that, it's either he's lying or second, he doesn't operate. He or she doesn't operate. So to be present when things go wrong, to make sure that you be, you've resolved the issues. And third is to try to keep uh, up with the knowledge and learning new techniques and innovating. Because, you know, medicine, like any other specialty, is innovating so much. So you need to be up to date with the knowledge of plastic surgery. Dr. Mesa, I love that so much. It makes all the sense in the world that the ethics comes first and it's just beautiful. And that's how you've been able to build your practice because people come to you, people come to a surgeon like you and they expect to receive not only great care and, and, and great compassion, but they also expect to receive the straight look at what they're asking. In other words, they want the honest approach which you've become known for. When somebody comes into your office for a consultation, Dr. Mesa, what does that first consultation look like? I mean, the first consultation, they come, they, they, meet, they, they, are, um, they are welcomed by my staff. They come to the examination room. We take pictures of the body area that needs to be addressed. And then I go, um, I, I come in with the pictures and then I... Um, ask the patient what is the concerns, what is bothering, and then I explain everything about the potential surgical options or non-surgical options, and then I go over all the potential complications that could happen. Some patients uh, get scared about that, but I, I tell them, look, you need to know all the good stuff, but also you need to know the bad stuff, because if something goes wrong, I don't want you to tell me Oh, you never tell me. You never told me about that. And then I try to address. I try to address all the questions. And when all the questions have been answered, is when I tell them, okay, so now you can talk to my patient coordinator. Is the one that gives the fees. Talk to you about the scheduling. And if you if you want to be, um, if you want me to be your surgeon, I'll be happy to take care of you whenever it's convenient. I like it, and it's so interesting the approach. And one thing that caught our attention here at Dotcom Magazine, the way you approach your clients is, you know, you believe that plastic surgery has as much to do with the outside, with the inside of a person, as well as the outside. You call it being a surgical psychiatrist. In other words, right. 
you know, you want to address a patient's external physical condition that they come to you for, but equally important to you is you want to sort of think about what it means to them on the inside. What's it going to do for their self-esteem? What's it going to do for like their internal appearance, if you will? So maybe you could touch on that because we find that very fascinating. Yes, exactly. I, I consider plastic surgery, surgical psychiatry first because the main problem is the inner problem that the patient has with his external appearance. And secondly, you need to have the kind of the care and the manners to address that in a way that the patient feels comfortable to be taken care of uh, by the doctor. And, and the third and more most important that I tell the patients is like a plastic surgery. There is a misinformation uh, about plastic surgery that tells that is vanity and vanity is usually considered bad or negative and I tell them no it's not vanity it's something to do for yourself and one simple example that I tell the patients is like a, why do you get a haircut in men or why do you dye your hair at the roots for women and the reason is because you want to look good you want to feel good and you want to be look, look good look good to other people and I say What's the difference between a haircut and getting your chin done? Because you have a double chin. So haircut is okay, but getting a double chin fix or a book of a remote for a more chiseled look is vanity. No, it's exactly the same. Because the society puts certain uh, differences in the terms, but it's exactly the same. But the point is that it has to be done when it's necessary. No, there are some patients, few patients that have what is called the um, dysmorphic appearance that they want surgery when they don't need it, that's and that different factor. But most of the people, uh, it is acceptable to get cosmetic plastic surgery. Yeah, I agree and I love it. And it's very interesting because, you know, I am on Zoom all day long interviewing really amazing people throughout the world. And I would imagine in the past 12 or 18 months, Dr. Mesa, so many people have been on their video calls and they're actually seeing recordings of their own calls and they're they're looking into the camera and they're saying to themselves, wow, you know, there's maybe something I, I'm noticing about myself that perhaps I want to have fixed or something is a personal matter to me that maybe I want to reach out to a, you know, a world leading plastic surgeon to have fixed or taken care of. And maybe there's some things on these video calls that are perhaps making them feel uncomfortable. So what's it been like? during this pandemic with people seeing themselves so much on the videos? Has that been something that uh, people are coming to you all the time, Dr. Mason? They're saying to you, you know, I would like to fix something in my appearance because I'm seeing myself on all these calls and I want to I wanna look better. Yeah, exactly. That's that. The pandemic has increased significantly the number of cases of cosmetic plastic surgery on the face and the necks or at least in my practice, and it's because of that reason. People say, look, I was in a, this uh, Zoom meeting and I was looking at my neck and my leg was horrible or I was looking very chubby because, you know, everybody can gain a couple of pounds during the lockdown. And they say, oh, look, I have a chubby cheeks, I need to fix it. Or sometimes the eyelids, uh, they see the hooding in the upper eyelids. So, yes, the pandemic had, especially the video conferences, either Zoom, um, Google Meet, anyone those ones have, make people more aware of the facial appearance. So that's why they are asking for more procedures nowadays. And that on top, uh, and in addition that a lot of people is working from home, they have more downtime because they can work when turning, uh, turning off the camera. So it makes it easier for the patient nowadays to get cosmetic plastic surgery. 
Yeah, that makes all the sense in the world, Dr. Mesa. And you know, when, we, we're, when we're looking in the camera, obviously we want the people that we're speaking to to see us in the best possible light that we would expect of ourselves. But also, like you mentioned earlier, internally, if it makes us feel better, then it's going to help us perform better. It's going to make us feel better about our, ourselves. Maybe it helps us sit up in our chair and give a little bit different attitude toward the world if we're feeling better about our appearance. So that makes all the sense in the world. You know, Dr. Mesa, we mentioned the uh, the buckle fat removal, how all the celebrities are looking chiseled. And we talked about the woman that came in a few years later and she looked like a celebrity and and she just looks amazing. And I know you're doing such great work in that, but what are some of the other common procedures, let's say from the, from the neck up that people are doing since we're kind of talking about the Zoom calls and the video calls? Yeah, so the number one for in my practice, the book alpha removal. The number two is chin liposuction for the double chin. And the third one is skin tightening. You know, when people has a above 30s or 40s and you start having some skin laxity and there is a, a procedure called face tight that is tightening of the skin with radio frequency and there is a similar procedure for the neck that is neck tight that's all those are the third number third and fourth more most common procedures in my practice and the number fifth one is eyelid surgery and of course botox and fillers nowadays everybody wants to look more chiseled so in addition to the buccal fat pad they put fillers along the jawline in the chin to look even much better in camera you know we're speaking of the zoom calls uh, dr mesa do you also accept someone that maybe isn't in you know new jersey new york or florida maybe they they see this video or they've heard about you of course and they say you know i want to go see dr mesa will you do an initial consultation by zoom or does everybody have to come to see you in person to be able to get in the door to see you no, I do. I have been doing the, the, I call it the virtual consultations way before the pandemic. You know, I have an office in Miami and I only go to operate. So I do patients that are interested in Miami. They do, we do the virtual consultation. We do everything virtually. And then when I meet them the next time is when I, they, when they are about to do surgery. So I have met, uh, I do people from United States, from Europe. From, I did before the pandemic, I was operating a lot of people from UK. Uh, I just spoke with somebody from India that is waiting for the lockdown to disappear to fly in. Yes, it's very, for, I feel very comfortable because I am able, especially on the face and the neck, to do an assessment and a plan without having to see the patient in person. I love it, Dr. Mason. Of course, you have an international clientele. They fly in from all over to see you. When we think about your practice, you've been able to assemble an amazing team. It's not just you, uh, Dr. Mesa, obviously, you've got a tremendous team that works with you. When you think about hiring someone to join the Dr. John Mesa team, what do you look for first? Do you look for compassion? Do you look for honesty? Do you look for ethics, intelligence? What's the first thing you look for when you make a hire to join your team? Uh, the first thing that I look for is like a two components is one that they like what they do. And secondly, that they enjoy their work. Because if somebody is doing is applying for a job just for the money, it's not going to be a fit because sooner or later, he or she is going to get tired and is going to quit. So a lot of my friends tell me that I'm workaholic. And I say, I'm not workaholic because I love what I do. I don't feel 
like work. It's like a hobby every time I do that. That's what I'm trying to, when I hire somebody, I want my staff to be the same, to enjoy what they do. I mean, not to work extra hours, but to enjoy what they do and to uh, be passionate about what they do. Because the technique or the skills, they can be thought, but like that kind of mentality, it cannot be thought. So that's the first thing I see when I'm doing an interview for a, uh, somebody and, and that wants to be fired, uh, hired for a job position. I love it, Dr. Mesa. It makes all the sense in the world. You know, when we interview technology entrepreneurs, we oftentimes talk about how a lot of technology starts on the coasts and then they move their way in through the United States and throughout the world. So maybe they start on the West Coast in Silicon Valley. They start in New York, maybe down in Miami, Texas, and then they sort of converge into the center of the country. Is it the same thing for plastic surgery procedures? Do they mostly start on the coast and then sort of move into the rest of the country? How does all that work? I mean, they, I consider United States like divided into kind of three plastic surgery meccas. There is New York in the East Coast, there is LA in the West Coast, and there is Miami. And also because of the demographics and like the businesses, there is different things. So, for example, uh, Miami, because it's a very Latin-oriented culture with a nice weather, they are more oriented into body procedures rather than face. And the people is more youthful uh, over there. In LA, because of the Hollywood, they, they do kind of almost everything. And here in New York, it's like a more the face and neck mecca. So, uh, depending on the what kind of procedure you are looking, Yes, from some areas they come to the other ones up. But for example, I I, I operated in somebody from El, from San Francisco, it's an engineer in Silicon Valley. He's coming, he's flying in for a book of removal. I was like, it's a lot of plastic surgeons in LA, and he people flies all over the place to find the uh, the best uh, surgeons for their that care. That is so interesting. How each one of the meccas has a different thing that they that they like to have done, and it makes all the sense in the world. Before we go, Dr. Mason, again, thank you so much for slicing out some time today. I know you're very busy, and, and thank you for showing up in your scrubs, and it's a delight to have you on the show. When someone's thinking about choosing a plastic surgeon, what are some of the things that you would recommend for them to be thinking about as they're taking this action step and this this evolution to moving toward having their surgery done? Okay, so the first thing is that they need to make sure that the surgeon is a board-certified plastic surgeon because there is a lot of doctors that they call cosmetic surgeons, but they are not plastic surgeons by training. When you are board-certified, you are cert you have certification that the, here, the surgeon has the, all the requirements to do any kind of surgery. Secondly, you need to be happy with the before and afters to see that the results that he or she is presenting is, is in line to what you are looking for. And third is uh, to see if they, what kind of specializations they have. Because, you know, plastic surgeons were training everything, but as we progress in our careers, we tend to specialize in one area more than the other. And by just training or by just practicing the same procedure, you get you can have better outcomes with less risks uh, if you are specialized in certain procedures. For example, I am training no surgery, but I don't like to do surgery. No surgeries, I don't do that. Somebody comes to me, they're not going to get a good nose, even though I could do it. So that's what I tell. And most importantly, the kind of the empathy or the, rap, um, the connection with the surgeon. Why? Because as I mentioned earlier, 
you need to be confident with your surgeon when things go well, but also when things go wrong. And if you don't, if your gut feeling tells you this is not the right surgeon for me, my recommendation is to walk away and find somebody that really is going to make your gut feeling say, yeah, this is the right surgeon for me. That makes all the sense in the world, Dr. Mesa. Obviously, you know, I've been on these Zoom calls with so many top talented entrepreneurs throughout the world. And of course, my nose is not straight. Football injuries, playing college and high school football. I think I need a little work here and I think I need to get a little more chiseled so I know where I'm going to be coming for that consultation, uh, Dr. Mesa, because you're just, you're just wonderful. And thank you so much for coming on the show and, and really putting up with my questions because it's a very fascinating field and it really transfers over to entrepreneurship because, again, you just have such a focus on taking care of your clients and your customers. And that's exactly what a good entrepreneur in other fields needs to do as well. Of course, get the great training, the world-class training that Dr. Mesa has had. If you're an entrepreneur watching the show, surround yourself with mentors like Dr. Mesa has, and it just makes uh, for a world-class opportunity, no matter what space you're in. Dr. Mesa, thank you so much for cutting out some time, slicing out some time, that's a little bit of a pun in your field, for uh, coming on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Andy, for this. As I mentioned earlier at the beginning, it's an honor and a privilege to be here in this interview, and thank you so much for your time, and I hope I can meet you in person at some point in the near future. <laughs>